in a more physical way, perhaps a less familiar perspective for you. This is just the first of many times that I will ask you to try on a different view of the world. These exercises are intended to draw you into the content of this program. I will offer thoughts and exercises to engage you more deeply in thinking about your life. Your side of the deal is to be open to these thoughts and experiences. I'll proceed with that in mind, and you, of course, will do as you choose. Hear me as your guide on your signature path. I'll help you pay attention to what surrounds you in your life and your work. I hope to help you see and interpret your surroundings differently. I do not know where you're going on your path. You're making the path. You'll decide that for yourself. But I do know about path-making and the internal wilderness through which you are cutting your paths. This is familiar country for me, and I will help you with your explorations. I live in this internal wilderness, and I love helping you learn about it. Imagine going outside, finding a bare square foot of brown dirt and smoothing its surface with the side of your hand. Then imagine using your finger to sign your name in that soil. Imagine that, or do it. When you touch the soil and furrow it with your finger, you demonstrate in a small way what your signature path is all about. Your unique, hard-to-duplicate signature is on this small square piece of earth. You created this small difference in your unique way, and that difference parallels the much larger writing you're doing on the earth in your constant contact with it. Imagine the furrows you create there. Imagine the trails you take, the routes you repeat, the people and places and things you touch along the way. All of that is part of your signature path on this planet. Much of the first quarter of our lives is given to others building knowledge and skills in us. Along with all that useful learning, we are also learning a major implied tenet of our formal education. That is, people learn through being taught. Provide people with new knowledge and teach them new skills, and that is the way to change them. But this is not the only way we learn. It is not the primary way we learn. It is not even the best way to learn much of the time, especially for us as adults. An alternative to knowledge and skill building is sight building seeing the world in new ways and behaving with this new perception in mind. When we see the world differently, we have to honor this new perception, this new sight. Our actions will be altered by what we now see, and we will use our old skills in new ways. The accumulated experience of getting through life is accompanied by a reliance on the abilities which we have that got us here. I tried it. It worked. I'll try it again. We often use these abilities to the point of entrenching ourselves in their familiar routines. Long, successful life experience can block receptiveness to new perspectives and new learning. Long, unsuccessful experience can do the same. Enter perspective. You fall in love. A child is born. A spouse leaves. A lottery ticket wins. A friend gets cancer. In that moment, your life changes, your behavior changes, and you adapt to the way you see things now. All of these life-altering experiences affect the way we see the world. When that new perspective takes over, it inherits the same old skills that were there with the old perspective. 
but the new view of the world can use those old skills to new purpose. We don't always need new skills to be successful. We often just need new perspective. We need to put on new lenses, though that's not always easy. We actually have more choice about the skills that we use than the perspectives we take on. Skills are tools we can pick up or put down. Perspectives are ways of seeing that become part of us. Once incorporated, they cannot be set aside easily. We can be intentional about gaining perspective. We don't have to just sit around and wait for it. Here are some ways to set about seeing the world differently, at least temporarily. Spend an afternoon with someone under 10. Try to see their world from their viewpoint. And afterwards, explain the difference between your view and theirs to someone else. Or, ask someone to describe what is going on in his or her life right now. Or try explaining an old problem in a new way, for example, by describing the advantages of having the problem rather than its disadvantages. Summon up all of your optimism for this planet and write a statement about where your hopes are for its future. Or if you already live in a perspective of optimism, bring forth all of your concerns and write about them. Or try volunteering for a homeless shelter or hospice. Reflect on residing in such a place. Or talk with someone of a different race, religion, or gender about how the two of you differ. Consider how those differences affect your relationship. Do at least one of these. If you gain some new perspective from it, do another. And if you gain no new perspective, then try another. Whatever you choose, make notes on what you see differently as a result. Writing about it will help you incorporate it into your perspectives on the world. Your path began at your birth and you probably have some sense of where you are on that path right now, its direction, its slope. Where you're going may not be very clear, but you are very intentional about it. One of the primary places many of us seek our purpose is through our work. In that job, through these roles, we attempt to serve customers, satisfy employers, get along with coworkers, earn a living, and give some small expression to the person within who cries out to experience life. Think of people you know who are keenly interested in what they're doing, particularly someone who is pursuing something out of their own free will. Why is she so joyful about this line of work? Why does he pursue this hobby? Why do you get so fascinated with some parts of your life? She, he and you are in some ways incomplete, and your focus or fascination has to do with reaching for your potential, reaching for your completeness. As much as we already know, we still want to learn more, to become more. I have a question for you. What do you do? And what is your short answer to that question? Think about that for a moment. Now I have another question. Why is what you do important to you? Again, think about it and come up with a short and quick answer. And one more time, 
Why is what you just replied to me important to you? We could continue down this chain of whys. We won't do that right now. You may wish to think about it later. But what I wanted you to do was to become aware of the work that you're engaged in and the whys that are behind it. At work, we spend lots of time on the hows. The whys more often lead to the reasons for work, the deeper meaning of work, the aspirations behind work, and those aspirations have to do with the real purposes of our lives. The hows tend toward the methodologies, the practices, the tasks involved in getting work done. Most people find the hows easier to think about and easier to talk about with other people. The whys seem to lead in a more personal direction. People are often uneasy about sharing their whys with others. They may feel slightly invaded when asked why, why their work is important to them, and why that's important to them. Our whys are often private. The hows tend to take us deeper into the past. The whys tend to move us toward the future. An example. My friend Lucy passed through town recently, stopping to visit with me between connecting flights. In our two hours together at the airport, I heard about four months of Lucy's life, two months back and two months projected forward into the future. Lucy does an excellent job of organizing her life around her work and the travel it requires. She knows where she's been and will be for every waking moment, and she takes some pride in this. But the questions that occupied the second hour of our time together were the whys. To paraphrase Lucy, I know how to do the work very well. I know how to organize my time, how to travel, to get the maximum accomplished. But lately, while flying along at 35,000 feet, I've been asking myself, why am I on this plane? Where am I going? I know my work destination, but what is my life destination? I'm all scheduled up, and I wonder where I'm going. Lucy recognizes the widening gap between her practice and her purpose, her methods and her meaning, her hows and her whys. Whys lift us toward our aspirations. In the whys, there is the possibility of discovering higher purpose. Our whys are more separate and personal, often lying unexpressed behind our actions. Hows, on the other hand, carry us into the details of getting the work done. We share these hows with others as a part of our work. The hows without the whys lead to action without reason or meaning. The whys without the hows lead to unrooted, unrealistic, unacted upon ideas. Our organizations, home, work, and community, do a good job of helping us think about the hows. Each of us has to take responsibility for thinking about our own whys. If we don't think about them, somebody else will. They will assign meaning to our work. They will assign meaning to our lives, and that meaning may not fit with the meaning that we would assign. Because our whys have to do with our motivation, with our purpose, with our principles, we must figure out our whys for ourselves. We can slip into thoughtless patterns which become ruts. These patterns involve movement, but without reflection on our movement's impact on the world, 
They are just the opposite of what our signature path is all about. We become what others want, our boss, our spouse, our neighbors, our children, our government, our club. We decide that what they think is best, putting aside what we want, making them responsible for us. We say, I couldn't help it, or she made me do it, or if I hadn't, he would have gotten mad. How often do our reasons why contain the names and labels for others? How often do we make others responsible for our actions? Each moment of our lives we are choosing what we want and don't want, will and won't do, like and don't like. Daily activity would slow to a crawl if we consciously examine the hows and whys behind each choice we make. Your signature path is about choosing readily, quickly, and intuitively. The whys may provide life purpose, but that is not the same as having destinations. Where do the whys lead? What are the destinations along your path that mark and declare its direction? Our arrival at an ultimate destination depends upon all the other stops we make along the way. They lead to where we're going. Consider what you could do in the next year that supports your whys and list some of those ideas. For example, I want to have dinner at home with the family four times this week. Or, I want to take a three-week vacation this year. Or, I want to work better with my co-workers on the BCD project. Or, I want to increase my confidence in dealing with top management. From your list, select one item and describe it as a destination. Think of it as a place that you want to reach, a place you want to arrive at, and write a paragraph about it. Describe what it would be like. Describe its value to you, how it serves your whys. At this point, do not think about how you might do it, just make it attractive to you. For example, if you were describing a three-week vacation and all of its advantages, you would write about how it connects to your whys. You would elaborate on what you want to do on the vacation, how you and others would benefit from it. You'd get specific about when and where you'd like to take this vacation. In other words, you would create a mental and written image of this vacation for yourself,